Hello, and welcome to the One Time Only podcast. Today with me, my guest is... Camilla Potratz. And why are you here? <laughs> because my daughter asked me to. <laughs> and I am Kendra Potratz, and we're here to discuss my research project, which was the proposal to remove the lower four Snake River dams. Um, there's a lot of factors involved in that discussion. It's also been debated over for over 40 years. So (laughs) there's a lot to be said that we're probably not going to be able to say in a single podcast, but hopefully we can touch on some poignant discussion topics and maybe come to a consensus on it. All right, where where should we start? I think the big topic is always focusing on salmon populations, which I know is something that you particularly do care about. So do you want to share, I don't know, your own thoughts on that? I grew up in an area where salmon was an important part of the economy. And... Um, next to a reservation where it was an important part of my neighbor's culture. So saving salmon is definitely important. Okay, very nice. Um, So a lot of people see hatcheries as a potential solution to that, um, especially people who are maybe hesitant to remove dams they want to look towards you know salmon ladders to like remove dams as as much of a a blockade but also hatcheries that will help like restore the population in theory do you know much about that or have any opinions on that (laughs) i i don't have enough knowledge to answer any questions about that all right that's that's okay um it is an interesting thing to look into because um it does seem like in theory it could help a lot like you have this endangered species that's really important for you know more reasons than your typical endangered species which is just like it all species are worth preserving but like this species in particular is is so culturally important and is also like, you know, economically pretty important to a lot of people. So um, it's particularly interesting. It's like you really do want to save that population and maybe the best way to help it like grow is hatching salmon in a safe environment and releasing them to the wild. So in theory, it sounds like a great idea. Um, in practice, there are some, some issues and some controversies about that as a solution. Um, I, I think the main thing is, you know, salmon raised in hatcheries aren't wild salmon and they are genetically different. And when you have those two species both competing with each other that can further endanger the pure wild salmon, but also breeding with each other can lead to a lot of like deformities and, you know, weaker species. And it ends up ultimately weakening the gene pool, which has a lot to do with, you know, hatcheries aren't ideal conditions. 
and um, this the salmon that come out of there aren't always you know peak health <laughs> and when you have those populations intermingling with your wild salmon it's like okay now that that brings up an, another moral query it's like maybe this can potentially boost salmon populations but ultimately are we actually hurting our wild salmon and should we be focusing on solutions that preserve wild salmon specifically which mainly is removing dams and allowing you know their natural habitats to become more inhabitable again uh <laughs> i just i just spouted a lot uh do you have any thoughts um no <laughs> <laughs> all right uh do you have any questions uh one of the things that I have heard is that the dams on the, the lower four dams are not often utilized to create uh, hydroelectric power for our state, but are necessary when there are natural disasters such as fires or other things, and, and thus we need to keep them for those reasons. Have you researched that? Uh, that's an interesting point that I actually haven't come across in my research thus far. So much of what I've been looking into has been focusing on salmon populations specifically that that argument actually hadn't come up in my research, which I do find surprising. Um, I had heard arguments for these dams as being necessary for commerce in the area for like you know being able to like cross rivers and reach places and you know I think there are other solutions to that problem that don't require these dams that like you pointed out you know the hydroelectric generation from these dams isn't really contributing much anymore and you know so much of the energy in, used in this area is coming from Grand Coulee that like these smaller hydroelectric dams are contributing so little and could easily be replaced by you know other means of energy generation like wind or solar power and you know obviously that's going to be you know what I go for and not um you know burning coal or natural gas because you know I'm all on the side of you know environmentally friendly but it's always you know, possible that you take these, you know, somewhat cleaner, though still problematic forms of energy generation and end up replacing them with something worse. So that's definitely a consideration in the issue. Another argument that I've heard is that the dams have been in place so long now that the micro ecosystem around the dams have adjusted to their presence and that taking them out would disturb those environments. It's definitely a consideration and when you look at historical dam removals there are problems with that. Um, there's the the Elwha dams, there's there are two dams on the Elwha. One of them was actually the Elwha dam but anyways <laughs> there were two dams. They did get removed several years ago now and 
you know, there were there were positives and there were negatives. There were things that like we saw immediate salmon, you know, returning to my, that migration area, which is, you know, kind of it's un, it's surprising. It surprised a lot of ecologists to see those those fish populations bounce back to that area so quickly. But on the other hand, like you said, you see other changes in that ecosystem that are affected by that dam being removed after like decades of, of being set there. And one of the huge issues is that when you have a structure there for decades, you get a lot of sediment buildup behind the dam and removing that dam without just releasing that rush of sediment down the river and, and creating a huge erosion problem around the you know surrounding areas is was a huge issue and consideration in the removal of those dams and they brought in a bunch of machinery to try and remove a bunch of that sediment before the dams came down and uh, they made sure that they you know removed the dam very gradually so that they didn't just have a sudden rush of all of that at once, but it still ended up affecting the surrounding ecosystem, like you're saying. So yeah, you know, the the immediate response to the dam removals can be quite negative to the surrounding areas just because you've gone in and you've made a sudden change to an ecosystem. And of course, that's going to have effects on all sides. But what we ultimately hope we see with that is that, you know, just like the areas, the organisms in that ecosystem adjusted to the dam existing, they will eventually adjust to it not being there anymore. And hopefully, ultimately, you are re I'm sorry, um, restoring those salmon populations in those areas. And that's really what, what the goal is. It's a long-term, down-the-line goal. Would removing those dams affect irrigation for a local farm? farmers <laughs> uh yeah that i think the biggest pushback against dam removal is is that it comes from from farmers and agriculturalists and it's a very fair concern <laughs> and i don't have you know a ready hand solution for that um i don't know anything about agriculture that isn't you know sort of what i'm focused on and i think i i tend to have this attitude of well, environmentalism comes first and everything else can be solved second. And saving these salmon populations is far more important to me than that. But, you know, the farmer whose farm is being directly affected by that is, of course, not going to appreciate that attitude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I do catch myself uh, sort of brushing off other people's concerns because for me, if it's not environment first, then it's not as important. And I think I need to sometimes resign myself to the fact that someone else's, you know, values are going to be different. And I'm not just automatically right. And um, while I still think it's really important to remove those dams and that the salmon populations need to be restored, you know, a solution does need to be made for those farmers because... We can't just leave them high and dry and say, well, your problem, you go fix it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, me personally, like I said, it's not, you know, my my research focus. It's not my expertise. I don't have a solution for that. I'll leave that to someone else. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are a lot of these, uh, you know, things that you're bringing up that I would have loved to, to research more because they're 
the things that I knew the least about going in. But I found that, you know, for a single research paper, I couldn't do everything. <laughs> you know, I'd love to, to write, you know, a 20 or 30 page essay that was just an overview of the entire issue and that, and, you know, would allow me to have like a, a full complex understanding of the issue because I care about it that much and I want to to know you know what all the complexities are so that I can help uh, you know propose the right solutions but what I ended up finding was it wasn't viable for this assignment to do that so I focused on a very small window which was salmon populations how they would be affected by dam these these four dams being removed (laughs) sorry well, okay. I don't want you to have to say the you know. I don't want you to say anything negative about your paper in the podcast. Why? That's good. Good researchers shit on themselves. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't write a research paper claiming that your research was flawless and there was nothing that you neglected or missed. Every single valid research paper ends with a discussion that basically says you know, here's all the things we didn't consider, here's everything that needs further research. It's a really important part to, you know, a research paper if you want it to actually be, like, in a scientific journal someday. Like, so yeah, I mean, I I think having the opportunity to, to discuss what, you know, I failed at or what I wasn't able to research or what my understanding is still lacking is good contribution to the discussion um uh, okay well so we've we have discussed a lot kind of around my paper um although the the LWA example that was a huge you know I relied a lot of my paper on you know those specific dam removals because being able to look at something that has actually happened and like how that worked out I felt like you know really helped the argument because you know the Elwa was controversial and now that it's done and we're a few years out and we've seen some of how that turned out you know I would say it's an overall positive and so I think that helps strengthen the argument but so are there uh Native American cultures that are pushing to have these four dams removed so um you know like we've discussed a little bit salmon populations are hugely culturally significant for you know various tribal groups and um like back to the elwa dams example again there it was the same thing that we're discussing now where there's this huge you know desire from the tribes locally affected for these dams to be removed and you know hearing them talk about it it's so much more than just you know wanting to bring the salmon back it's wanting to bring the whole ecosystem back to what it should be without you know this big ugly barrier that man has created that is negatively affecting you know, nature. And um, there's just discussion about like, 
this spiritual disturbance about the whole thing and being able to like finally rid the area of that and let nature restore itself to what it should be is hugely important and you see the same thing with the lower four snake river dams where there's a huge tribal support for those dams to be removed and it gets largely ignored by legislators they just don't seem to care about that which does lead me to the next question was um how have politicians responded um they, they mostly haven't because they feel like they they're required to respond to the people they're representing and because native americans have an independent state they're not representing them and therefore they don't need to listen to their needs or desires and they basically just don't respond and as long as the politicians don't respond the general population just doesn't even hear about it so you know a lot of and this is, you know, even bigger than just the dam question, a lot of Native desires and, and what they're pushing for politically just is completely unknown to the rest of us because it just gets completely ignored and, and it's not talked about or shared about unless you explicitly go and look for it. And it is incredibly frustrating to see. Have you talked to any local politicians? Um... <laughs> So talked to, <laughs> I've not, you know, had, you know, a one-on-one -on -one discussion <laughs> or anything, but um, I did, I did partake in, you know, kind of an email chain where I was supporting the removal of these four dams on the Lower Snake River and, um, you know, sent out, sent out an email to just about every legislator in the state. And getting their responses back was a really interesting, you know, non-intentional experiment. You know, there are the people who are, you know, very supportive and they are already doing lots of work to try to make this happen. And um, makes me really hopeful and makes me actually feel good about politics for it once to see that actually there are people in politics that have my values and that are like working really hard to get these things that I think are so important to be passed. And then at the same time, you get emails back from people who are like, you know, I, you know, I respect your opinion, but you know, it's not my opinion and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and other people who just kind of want to sidestep the whole thing and be like, oh, well, you know, this isn't my issue, I focus on this, and it's like, okay, well, you can say that. <laughs> I don't agree, I think this is a thing that you should care about and be working on, but all right, you go do your thing, I guess. And then I had politicians just straight up lie to me about things that, you know, I, I know is misinformation because of the research I've done. Politicians telling me that we rely on those dams for the hydroelectric power generation. You know, they can say that because it's not technically a lie. We do gain hydroelectric power from those dams. But the way that it's disingenuous is that it, most of that power generated by those dams goes to waste because so much of our power grid is powered by, like I said, Grand Coulee or, you know, other forms of power generation. And the minuscule amount of energy powered by these dams is just not really needed or necessary and when it is used 
it could be easily replaced by another source. So, you know, I guess it's not, it's not a straight out lie, like I said, but it's, like I said, it's just so disingenuous and it, it did make me absolutely furious to read those things when, you know, I've done the research and I know that it's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, politicians. Yeah. Politicians. <laughs> so if, if the dams somehow were removed, what would be the recovery rate for the salmon? Yeah, so um, it's an interesting process where you see fish bounce back so quickly. You see fish returning to new migration areas and discovering new migration areas so immediately, which researchers really didn't expect before Elwha. And then, you know, since the Elwha dams were removed and they saw that there, and then there have been some dams in Canada that were removed and they saw the same thing where the fish found these routes again just so immediately and so you do see this immediate you know population rise through those areas that said <laughs> what that population recovery is even though it's it's exhilarating to see those populations bouncing back so immediately it's such a tiny percent of what those historic populations looked like before the dams went in and you know, it's still so far from what we hope to restore the populations to. How long ago were those dams removed? I mean, is it just a matter of time before those populations do come back fully? Yeah, so um, Elwha was removed in the early 200, two, yeah, 200s. 2000s? <laughs> I know what year it is. <laughs> um and, you know, like I said, they, they have seen salmon populations recovering consistently through those areas. But, uh, you know, even though the population has grown from, from that immediate rebounce when the dams were removed, it's still so far from historic, you know, population levels. And a big part of that is that even though you have removed the dams in this one area and now the salmon that need to migrate upstream to to mate and create more salmon can get up through that area more easily. There's still so many dams along the river that they're still being um, impeded. And, you know, I think a lot of people think that dams are affecting salmon by being just a physical barrier and that salmon ladders is going to solve that problem. And, you know, they help. They get some more salmon through but they don't solve the problem at all. <laughs> um, for one, it's not every salmon that finds the salmon ladder and makes it over. Yeah. So it's still reducing the population that is able to migrate. And for two, having those big bodies of stagnant water behind the dam raises um, river temperatures. And warmer river temperatures are make it harder for the salmon to mate. Um, they have to do it earlier in the season before it gets too hot. And so having the, the water temperatures rising, not just because of global warming, although that is definitely a factor, but also just because of these dams creating stagnant pools that just get heated by the sun all day, is just another way in which those dams are impeding salmon from being able to grow their population. So, you know, removing that two Elwha dams was a huge thing. It was a huge help. 
And the dams, you know, at that point were degrading and dangerous and not worth keeping anyway. So it was absolutely needed and necessary. And we have seen salmon return to those areas, but it's, it's not enough. So, you know, I think removing those four dams on the Lower Snake River is really important. I guess I, I have some questions for you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just to sort of conclude the discussion, um, was there anything that you were surprised about that you didn't know before? I was surprised that it was taking so long for salmon populations to come up. Although, once you've explained it, it totally makes sense. But it is a little disheartening. Um, we've talked enough about other things that I think maybe I wasn't too surprised about anything else. Because we've just talked about them outside of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have talked about not just this topic, but, you know, related environmental issues lots. Which is why I felt like you know, having you for this discussion would be perfect. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, that makes sense that you weren't too surprised by any of it. Were you surprised during your research about anything? Um, I was a little bit, um, mostly just by things that I hadn't, you know, considered yet or learned about the whole like sediment thing of like, you know, if you just like take the dam down all at once, you're just rushing literally tons of sediment down the river and obviously that's going to have a lot of negative effects so that like added complication to removing the dams was something I hadn't considered um you know of course I knew just blowing a dam out of a river was going to have a lot of complications and a lot of potentially really bad things happen if it's not done carefully no doubt um, but, you know, that specific thing, I, you know, had not occurred to me. So I did find that particularly interesting. I guess I was also surprised at how immediately fish refine these routes just because, you know, in ecology, you get used to everything taking time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Given time, life figures its shit out and it, you know, can kind of restore itself and survive pretty much anything. But that's, again, it's given time. It's always surprising when you see that kind of thing happening so rapidly. So yeah. that was another one that did shock me a little bit. Yeah. Um, to conclude, I guess, uh, do you feel like your stance on the issue has shifted at all? Or where uh, are you at? Well, no, because I already felt that it was probably time for those four dams to go away. Um I, I do wonder about how we might solve some of the other problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do know that uh, there will be more and more demand for electricity in the future. And I don't believe these four dams are that answer, but I think there will need to be an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that this is something that's been fought over for over 40 years, not just for these four dams specifically, but just the, the discussion of removing dams at all. And, you know, so much of that comes from, well, hydroelectric is, is such a clean way to produce energy and it's more reliable than wind or sun. And, you know, hydroelectric power is amazing. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that 
in this area, we're really lucky that most of our power isn't generated by burning coal. Yeah. Almost all of our power in this area is hydroelectric, and I'm very happy and proud to have that be the case. You know, I'm not out here to just remove all dams. It is definitely better for cleaner air, but then it has its drawbacks as well, which you've pointed out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, there's this age-old fallacy that you start to remove one or two dams, they're all going to go. And, you know, if we don't have hydroelectric to rely on, we're going to turn to these worst forms of energy generation. And I think there there is potential for, you know, replacing hydroelectric energy generation with something worse if we don't come up with something better. But again, it's not that slippery slope. Removing the four lower Snake River dams that are so, you know, minuscule to the energy contribution is not going to lead to grand coulee coming down like we're still gonna have hydroelectric generation um and just because i want these four dams removed doesn't mean i want to take them all out so i think that's like an important point to make i think a lot of people on the other side of the argument want to argue that you know we can't take these out you'll turn to a worse form of energy generation if you take these out you'll take them all out and there is a medium point of view to have it's not all or nothing it's about finding the balance yeah absolutely i think that's you know pretty good place to conclude on this is the end this is the end everybody we did it high five